Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Social isolation and concerns about catching the coronavirus have limited ways for older adults to enjoy educational opportunities and socialize with friends. Despite these obstacles, an organization called Encore Learning has maintained its ability to offer academic courses and host interactive activities that help meet the continuing educational and social interests of people all over age 50 and regardless of where they live. My guests today are Laura Polari Welbus, Executive Director of Encore Learning, and Tom Adams, President of Encore Learning Board of Directors. They're going to talk about how to join Encore Learning and enjoy the many educational courses and social opportunities. They're also going to talk about how to become a course instructor and ways to volunteer with the organization. So welcome, Laura and Tom, and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Cheryl, for inviting Laura and me uh, on your show today. As you said, Encore Learning uh, offers daytime, college-level, non-credit courses, We have uh, 10 clubs and special events for anyone over 55. We are an Arlington-based nonprofit, and we also uh, make charitable donations for educational purposes. We were established in 2002 in a time when similar continuing education efforts were being made really across the United States to accommodate retiring baby boomers looking for lifelong learning and social opportunities at a reasonable cost. There are now over 5,000 of these organizations in our country. There was broad community support uh, in Arlington for such an organization and assistance from the already established Fairfax Learning and Retirement, uh, which which was founded before we were. And uh, that, that, by the way, they morphed into the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute based in George Mason's main campus. We also had support from Arlington County Schools, George Mason's School of Graduate Arts and Sciences, at their Arlington campus and Marymount University. Courses were initially offered in February and March 2003 with 19 courses held in the old Sears building in Arlington. We had over 100 students in the beginning of the year and by the end of August, 250 members. We now have over a thousand members. Well, and Tom, I just wanted to clarify, um, obviously I said in my introduction that the target audience is over 50. And I said, regardless of where they live, has this also, you know, has this always been the case um, that uh, no matter where people live or did this kind of change now because of the pandemic when everything is virtual? 
Well, it has indeed changed. Uh, we were limited geographically, mainly because most of our courses are at George Mason's Arlington campus. So obviously you didn't want to drive there from two hours from West Virginia or something to take a class. But uh, with the pandemic, we have really um, spread out. We, besides the metropolitan area, I have a friend in Pennsylvania who, who takes a course people who've retired and maybe moved to Arizona or Florida beam in. So really, there's no geographic limit anymore. Laura, explain to us about Encore Learning membership. What are the requirements? What are the benefits? Uh, do you have to be a member to register for classes? What's, what's the setup with Encore Learning? Thank you, Cheryl. Well, anyone over 50 can join Encore Learning. And as a member, you can sign up for classes participate in our clubs, or attend uh, special events that are for members. And about 70% of our members actually sign up for a class each semester. So it's probably the most common way that people benefit from the membership is to participate in the classes. But some of our members are really just interested in our clubs or, or our tours, which are limited to members. The membership is paid annually and is $65 a year. And when um, your membership is up for renewal, you have to make sure your membership is current through the semester that you enroll in. So um, we're encouraging people to get their memberships renewed now so they're good to go for the spring semester. And what are the benefits? Any, you know, you told us a little bit about, uh, you know, how much it costs per year. What do they get for that membership? Well, they get access to the registration for classes because you can't actually take a class unless you are a member. And then the clubs are limited to members. And then uh, some of these special event tours that are limited to say 25 people, you also have to be a member. Um, so those are the, the main incentives to join. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the academic courses. Tell us what are the subject areas, the types of courses offered, and are there some areas that are more popular than others? We have a fall and a spring semester with more than 30 courses offered each semester, and they're organized into seven categories, um, which includes fine arts, music, and theater, health and wellness, literature and writing, history, which is typically has the most offerings, uh, law, politics, and public affairs, science and technology, and social sciences. So you can see we really cover uh, a wide range of, of categories um, with these academic courses. The courses may be lecture style or have a discussion format, but they're all designed to have students engaged in the content and working with knowledgeable instructors and have interested peers. And are some more popular than others? Or what, what have you seen? We have some very popular specific courses um, that we'll talk about and, um, and content areas. I would say that history, um, the literature courses are very popular. Um, and when we have some special uh, courses around um, musicals and, and theater, those can also be very popular. What is the best way to learn about these upcoming courses? You said the spring uh, semester is coming. 
tell us about that. What what are the what are the courses that are going to be offered in the spring? Let's let's talk about those. Well, our spring semester starts in um, the first week of March and it goes until mid-May. Um, and the registration is actually open now. And so from our website, which is www.encorelearning.net, that you can actually view a link to our online catalog and a calendar view of all of the course offerings. Um, there's an ability to search by the instructor name or the day of the week or, or the category. Um, so from there, you'll see all 31 courses that are being offered, and we have classes being offered at 10 a.m., noon, and 2 o'clock, Monday through Friday. I'm assuming now, because of the pandemic, these are all virtual, online? Yes, indeed. Um, since March of 2020, we have offered our courses online via Zoom. Uh, when the reality of the pandemic set in on March 13th, we canceled all of our 34 spring courses and provided refunds. But then in just a few days, we realized we could offer four courses online. And so we quickly learned how to use Zoom. And we had 350 registrations for the spring. We offered our most popular course, Global Hotspots, with 230 registrants far more than we could accommodate in, in an available classroom. So we worked hard over the summer to train instructors, volunteers, and members to use Zoom. And we offered 34 courses this past fall with over 1,300 registrants. Um, the classes have a median class size of 38 students. The format has worked really, really well for us, and um, we're getting a lot of accolades from our members about the opportunity. Well, and I'm sure they're even more welcome now because of the pandemic, and they can still be learning. That's that's why it's it's so important. But let's let's step back a little bit, Tom. You told us a little bit about Encore Learning before, but explain the model that was established when Encore Learning first started, how is that model different from other continuing education approaches for, for older adults? Right. Um, we, we offer daytime academic courses that are four to 10 weeks in length. Smithsonian, for example, um, um, charges $25 per session, which is, uh, and, uh, but they're often in the evening and they're often not as in depth, Ollie uh, out in uh, out at the Fairfax main campus at George Mason charges uh, $450 for membership and unlimited courses a year. Um, but they have a special due to the pandemic of only $300 because they, they, uh, they weren't able to offer courses in the spring. Um, we, we were going to join Ollie years ago but our members kind of liked a, a, a different format, uh, a different pricing um, system, which which Laura has described, and uh, they like it's it's relatively inexpensive. It's inexpensive for one main reason, and that's that we have lots of of uh, volunteers. Uh, some of our key functions, like arranging for our academic uh, offerings each semester, are done by a committee of volunteers. 
we have uh, eight committees that do various functions like that. So this allows us, we do have a, a small professional staff, part-time staff uh, that, uh, that uh, helps back us up. But I think the main difference is that uh, the community involvement here is, is, is very large. The other part of that, again, because of the pandemic, when somebody does sign up, are there special rules that attendees must follow to participate? Is it like a webinar uh, set up? Explain what people would look forward to when they signed up, especially if they had questions or wanted to interact with the instructor. Uh, What would you tell them as to what to expect in this so-called new environment? That's a very good question. And um, what you, you, of course, have to register, pay your money, um, and then you get sent uh, a link, a Zoom link, and a password. Uh, the password is to pre- prevent Zoom bombers. And we haven't had any problems with our security system that, in that regard. Um, to People were a little hesitant at first to try Zoom. You know, it was new for all of us. I don't think any of us even knew what Zoom was uh, before the pandemic hit. So uh, we, uh, with some very good members, technologically savvy members, and our professional staff, we trained everybody. We had to train the professors, and we had to entice many of them to, to do it virtually. Some were reluctant, and a few didn't want to teach uh, virtually uh, over time. So we all, we all did Zoom, and it's pretty amazing that this, this cohort of senior citizens, uh, by and large, were able to adapt technologically and do quite well. Um, so that was really, really the main challenge. And, and I think our, our professional staff under Laura deserve great credit for helping us pirouette uh, to the virtual learning. Did you have any glitches initially in terms of kind of making sure everybody was participating or did it run pretty smoothly from the start? No, you do have some glitches inevitably of uh, sound, you know, problems, uh, et cetera. But by and large, um, I think it all worked pretty, pretty smoothly. Um, and, um, you know, the, we, we just did a member survey and we'll talk about it later. People were pretty satisfied at the quality of the offerings. I think what people miss though, and we'll get into this is you can interact with the professors you know, you can use chat, you can raise hands, but it's a little more difficult and you don't get the same quality of, of personal interaction over Zoom uh, that you can get uh, in person. Um, and so going forward, when we can have in-person classes, we'll keep we'll keep uh, virtual and in-person, I think, some, some system, but uh, um, we're not there yet. Okay, well, let's, let's get into a little bit about the courses. Uh, uh... Laura mentioned that a little bit earlier, but what is the length of of most of the courses and are they offered just one time or multiple sessions? What do, what, what can people look for when they, you know, when they want to sign up? Tom, can you help us on that? Sure. There's, there's a wide variety of courses. Um, The minimum, they have to have four sessions pretty much to be, to be a class. That's, that's what we tell the instructors. And some instructors do 10, 10 sessions, eight or 10 sessions. One I know does, does uh, 10 sessions of two hours each uh, in a very interesting uh, historical course. So um, they vary in, in length. Um, 
some of them show films. Some of them, you know, they, they bring in lots of, of different things in their courses, uh, depending on, on, on what, you, what you're looking for. They have to be at least four sessions. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you ask. Uh, some some uh, courses are very popular and uh, get repeated every year. Okay. We have one one excellent uh, Civil War historian who does the entire Civil War, but he does it in in seven courses. So you have to take his his class over uh, over seven semesters, three and a half years to get the entire Civil War under your belt. Okay, so. Any one course has at least four sessions. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to, so that people were clear. The that- average is six to eight, I think, or six six probably is, is, is a good average for the number of courses. Okay. And Laura, so you mentioned a little bit earlier about registrants. Uh, is there now a minimum and maximum number for, for each course? And, and what about a waiting list? We do have a minimum of uh, having 10 people registered for a class for it to be offered. Uh, And the maximum uh, class sizes vary greatly, uh, depending on what the instructor would like to have and what the format of the class. Um, Some courses are limited to maybe 25 people, uh, others maybe at 45. And then some of our bigger webinar formats can go as many as up to nearly 500 people. Um, we only have a couple that are that are that big, um, but the average course size overall is thirty eight students. And if and if a class is full, is there a waiting list? How does that work? Yes, when you register, if a course is full, you can um, submit to be on the waiting list, and then if somebody cancels or if we can increase the class size. Uh, you can be moved from the waiting list to be enrolled in the class. Well, Laura, one one thing about the registration process, I know Encore Learning courses are so popular. I remember before the pandemic that, gosh, at a certain point, you had to hurry up and get on there and register to make sure that you were able to sign up. Is Is that still the process now, or has the whole registration um procedure changed now because, of course, we're all in, in, in the pandemic. Is it all pretty much online? Walk us through what, that, what that's like now in the, the current environment. And, and also, while you're talking, tell us also, in, in case people had to drop out, is, is there a refund policy? So help us understand what, what they need to do. Certainly. From our website, uh, www.encorelearning.net, there is a link for the course registration. All of the course registrations are done online. Um, You have to have your membership established and then you can select the courses to register for. Um, You can sign up for as many courses as you wish. Uh, And uh, some students take four or more, but the average is about probably two classes is, is pretty typical. Um, you complete the whole registration process online and put in a credit card and you'll receive a confirmation uh, email that indicates you're enrolled in the class. And you'll also receive a confirmation email right before the class starts um, to remind you about the class. And if you are unhappy with the class, if you have a problem with connecting or you realize the instructor isn't teaching in 
a format that you appreciate. Um, you can request a course refund um, within 24 hours of the first class session, and you are able to get a full refund. Well, at least that's good to know. And But you have to make sure that it's, what is that time span again? Within 24 hours of the first class session. Okay. Uh, so after you've had the first class, if you realize this class is not for me, um, you can send us an email uh, at, and we'll process a refund. Um, we offered this in last spring um, when we went to virtual because we were concerned that some people might not be able to connect or have issues. And we continued the policy in the fall because in fact, we've had very few refunds. Um, people have been quite satisfied with the experience. And again, because of the fact that now everything is virtual, are you getting more people who are not members who are signing up? We are definitely attracting um, more new members uh, and people who um, have time available, find it more convenient to attend the classes. And we also have a growing number of people from outside of the DC area. Uh, a, a year ago, we probably didn't have any members from outside the DC area. And I think we have about 20 right now. So it's a small group, but um, it is a potential for us. It's not necessarily something we're going to heavily recruit for, but it is a nice opportunity. As Tom said, people can leave the area. They may go to Florida or Arizona for a few months and and they could sign on from from anywhere. And especially if there's a limitation as to the number of registrants, do whoever is processing these registrations, do they look first to see who the members are and give them priority, or is it really a first-come, first-serve um, situation? You have to be a member to register. So if you try to register, it's going to prompt you and make sure that you're a member. And um, the registration opened on February 1st at 10 o'clock in the morning. So that's the first dibs on classes. Um, but because of our increased course capacity, we don't anticipate many classes filling up immediately. And we should have most of our classes open for registration even up until the first day of the class session in March. Okay, well, that'll be something to look forward to. So we're going to take a short break right now for an important message. We are listening today uh, to Laura Pilari Welbus, who is the Executive Director of Encore Learning, and Tom Adams, the President of the Encore Learning Board of Directors. And you are listening to WERA LP Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Corridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or C-C-A-T-K-W at gmail.com. Welcome back. We are talking with Laura Polari welbus who's the Executive Director of Encore Learning, and Tom Adams, who's the President of this organization. And in the first half, we talked a lot about 
registration and how to get involved with Encore Learning. And we want to spend a little more time on the instructors so that people have a better sense of what they could look forward to um, when signing up. So Tom, let's start with you. What are the qualifications that an instructor has to have in order to teach a, a course? And, and, and tell us about that and how they're recruited. No, that's a great question. Um, we have a wide variety of, of people who teach at Encore Learning. And we take full advantage of the fact that we live in an area with lots of well-educated people, you know, who worked, may have worked many years for the government in, in various jobs. Uh, there are a lot of academics. George Mason is very uh, generous in, in uh, having their, their faculty teach. I, one of the most interesting courses I took was a, a, a George Mason professor who had been a lobbyist for the uh, beer distributors, um, a job I envied. And uh, he did a course on lobbying, you know, and, and how it works, which was which was very interesting. Um, we have retired military officers who teach. Uh, I took a course on uh, Indian Wars taught by uh, a retired uh, senior officer who had taught at West Point. Uh, we have lots of lawyers who, uh, and in fact, we package them uh, in not this coming semester, but the next one where we have legal hotspots, where we get different lawyers who come in and talk about an interesting legal problem or case. Uh, our most popular course, as Laura mentioned, is Hotspots, which is a foreign affairs course, which deals with countries that are, um, you know, in the news a lot. Uh, and uh, we get retired ambassadors and uh, others to come in and each do a, six different sessions there. So um, I've taught uh, three courses in Encore Learning. Myself, I just did one on Scottish history, which was well attended. Uh, I've done, done uh, other courses on, uh, on the countries that emerged from communism in Europe and Eurasia. Um, we have a lot, of, a lot of people and we have to balance them though. Obviously we can't have just all history courses one semester. Um, uh, so, you know, the, we have an academic affairs committee, which is in many ways our most important committee that every year goes out and, and, and you know, asks the usual suspects if they will teach again. And uh, many generously do because we don't pay them uh, at all. We give them free membership if they want to take courses. But um, we get a lot of people who are willing to offer that. And uh, then they have to strike a balance. And if they have, say, too many uh too many science courses, they say, well, can you come back next semester? And uh, the science courses run the gamut. I, I took one, uh, the science of cooking by a former government uh, physicist. Um, and that was that was very interesting and very engaging with the class. So there, there's a huge variety uh, every every semester. And we try to try to mix them up and bring in new courses. But also we know the old favorites, you know, like the Civil War course I mentioned earlier. It sounds like there's then a balance that in some cases you you know of somebody who would be a good instructor and you reach out to them to uh, teach a course, or do you think more about selecting the topic or the kind of course and then you look around to see who uh, the, an appropriate instructor might be? or Which, is there one more than the other or does it vary? What would you tell us? 
we throw out a broad net. We invite anybody who wants to to teach to to give us a proposal. And then it's up to the Academic Affairs Committee to vet those proposals uh, to see if, if they're of sufficient you know, quality. And then, and then they have to balance the number. We, we try to aim to offer about 30 courses each semester. Sometimes we have 34 uh, or so, but that's kind of our, our uh, right now, our current sort of capacity. Um, and, um, you know, the Academic Affairs Committee does a, does a wonderful job of, of um, sort of sorting through this. And we always end up with a very interesting group. And I, I think the upcoming group, which Laura will describe in a little while, is among the most interesting I've seen in a long time. I was also wondering whether in terms of criteria, you say there's a lot of favorites that you've been offering and maybe offer again because they're popular. Are you also looking at current events? Are there new things coming up? I would think maybe something pertaining to the coronavirus or uh, the change in the administration. Are, are you always deciding what new kinds of topics to uh, think about? And, and how do you make that determination? Yes, we, we do have a lot of current events, uh, classes, uh, and they're very popular. Um, and um, for example, on this hotspots, we have uh, uh, Ambassador William Taylor coming. He was ambassador in Ukraine and he came back and testified at the first impeachment hearing, for example, uh, which is uh, now that we have a second one, uh, his, his reflections on the first one would be interesting. So we do have um, a lot of a lot of uh, current events thing, but uh, um, they still have to be kind of packaged. Um, so they're not they're not like yesterday's news, although we do have we do have one course that is is uh, more current uh, in that regard. So which is very popular. And who is who is this committee that are they people that have taken the courses already? Are they former instructors? Uh, what what is the process? We're very lucky in that our members are very loyal and our committee chairs are very loyal. They've served many of them for many years. Uh, and um, so we, we have co-chairs for that committee and certain members, and they divide up kind of the, the, the universe and, and each take on a segment of, of uh, possible uh, instructors to work with. And then uh, the whole committee meets and kind of comes up with a final, a final uh, roster. All right. Well, Laura, you talked earlier about the spring semester. So what do people have to look forward to this coming spring as far as new new courses? Well, it's, it's going to be just a, a great semester. And I just want to follow up a little bit and add to what Tom said about the course selection process. Um, we get wonderful ideas from members, suggestions for courses, and then it takes real work to cultivate that idea and find an instructor and work with them to develop the content of the course because it's not just a one-off presentation. It, it has to flow into at least four hour and a half presentations and could be six or eight sessions. And it may be accompanied by course readings to do. Uh, so it, um, there's a lot of work that is done by the committee members who are all volunteers to develop the content into an actual course. And that's the work that they, they do months ahead of time. So our spring semester, they really developed the courses over starting in the summer through through the fall. And um, 
and they have been able to uh, incorporate some very contemporary uh, concepts. We have a class on cybersecurity that's going to be extremely relevant and also on technology safety that I think will be quite timely. Um, there are topics every day related to that and they'll be incorporated into a content that really flows nicely. Uh, so we have 31 courses this semester and of those 10 of them are, are brand new with new instructors and, and new topics. And just, I'm gonna highlight a few. Uh, we're offering one on the nonprofit sector in Arlington and it's highlighting the impact of local nonprofits in the areas of as being a safety net and then working towards climate change uh, and uh, to improve climate change and fostering the arts and culture, as well as how you can become an informed supporter of priorities. So this is a six session class with different uh, speakers each week, um, but hosted, moderated by our board member, uh, Christine Milliken. Um, so it's gonna be a really fabulous class. It's a new class being offered. Another new class we're offering is uh, called Written in Arlington, and it's highlighting uh, recently published local poets. And our recent Arlington Poet Laureate, Catherine Young, is going to be the host and moderator of that class, but she'll be inviting local poets to read their poems and discuss uh, the writing of poetry. We will also have writing prompts in this class, uh, and it's has interesting themes relevant to Arlington because the poems are around the themes of Arlington neighborhood, Arlington history, the immigrant experience, and Arlington seasons and scenes. So I think it'll be a really great new, new course that's gonna be offered on Fridays in April, which is in April is National Poetry Month. We also have a course on British poets so local and, and, and then historical British poets um, with a recently retired Georgetown professor, uh, Ford Rescher. Uh, he'll be discussing five poets, five writers, uh, Tennyson, Keats, and Wordsworth, among others. So our history classes are, are certainly very popular, um, but this semester we have a wide number of science and technology and social sciences classes um, which really um, reflect a, a great diversity of our members and, and the, um, the great effort that our members put into offering these courses. Tom mentioned our most popular Global Hotspots class. This is, I just wanna mention, this is the 17th edition of this course. We have offered it since 2003. Um, so it's a really uh, great course. And some people uh, indicate that really they just, be, are a part of Encore Learning because they want to take that class. And the good news is that nobody has to get a grade after they finish, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. There's no homework and no grades, but there certainly can be a lot of uh, suggested recommended readings. And and thank you. And, and not only suggested readings, but I also wanted you to talk a little bit more, Laura, about how these courses are evaluated. Uh, obviously, you've got this academic affairs a committee that looks at it before it's offered, but after it's offered, who does the evaluation and are, are the participants also involved and are they taken seriously or how does that evaluation process work? Each course registrant, each student in the course receives 
a course evaluation on the last day of class and they submit that online. Uh, those results are shared which, with each instructor and the academic program committee reviews that information to improve the course offerings and provide feedback to the instructors. And we know for a fact that the feedback does help the instructors change their content or their presentation format based on this feedback. Um, and we also use the information to um, decide if a, an instructor needs some more coaching or needs to take a break before they teach again. I'm curious because oftentimes a lot of people just say, uh, I'm not going to worry about the evaluation. Do you usually get quite a few evaluations from participants? We do. We get enough of a response that we, we feel like it's very valid information, um, but we still have to uh, remind and encourage people to submit their forms as with anything. And then to that point, Laura, uh, is that the basis then that determines whether um, the courses are repeated or are you still preferring oftentimes to just offer new courses that have new topics? Again, it's kind of a balance there, I assume. Yeah, I would say it typically about two thirds of the courses are repeats and a third are new. Um, and the courses that are repeated, um, when I say repeat, it might be an instructor who's um, covering a different topic, um, or it could be the same topic that was so popular, it's going to be repeated again. Um, this semester, we only have one course that is an exact repeat from the fall because it's sold out early on, and so we're offering it again, um, and that's called American English. Um, so otherwise, we have a number of instructors who taught in the fall, but they're teaching a different course this spring. Okay, well, I want to spend the rest of the time uh, talking about what else Encore Learning offers. Uh, I think this is more along the lines of social interaction. So, Laura, tell us about the Encore Learning special events. I, I assume that there's a difference now in how they're being offered. So explain what they are, how they're being offered during the pandemic, and how, how people can get involved. Well, we have fantastic special events. For the foreseeable future, all of this programming is virtual and presented online via, via Zoom. Um, and this has opened us up to explore places outside of the greater Washington area as well. We offer special events for the public and events that are just for members. Uh, so every other Monday, usually about 3 p.m., we offer the Encore Learning Presents programs in conjunction with the Arlington Public Library. Last week, we hosted Dan Sherman talking about West Side Story. And next week, we will have a presentation on the national effort to reform court-appointed defenses. So typically it's twice a month on Mondays at three and that information is available on our website at www.encorelearning.net. We also offer tours of museums for members that have a limited registration. Uh, so this month we have virtual tours at the Crystal Bridges Museum in Arkansas, the stained glass windows of the National Cathedral and Walters Museum in Baltimore. So all of those are private docent-led tours where registration is required and you do need to be a member to attend those programs. And so given the fact that it's only for members, then the information would only be on the Encore Learning website. Is, is that correct? 
Yes, the information about the event is on our website. And then once you register, you receive the Zoom uh, information to participate in the program. Who determines these special events? Well, we have a fantastic special events committee, uh, several members, and um, they have ideas that are shared with them, but they also have ideas and they they'll make, sometimes they know people at a museum and sometimes they make a cold call and reach out to um, identify a location. Um, the speakers that we have for the Monday programs are a real notable group of people. Um, we might see something about them in the news or maybe there's somebody that is interested in teaching a course and want to try it out by doing a one-time special event presentation. And there's another activity that I saw on your website, uh, the specialty clubs. And I noticed there's quite a long list. So, Tom, tell us about Encore Learning Specialty Clubs. What, what is the format? Uh, is it different now during the pandemic? Explain. Sure. Sure. But let me let me just add something to what Laura said is, is anybody can ask to be put on our mailing list. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to pay any money. You can get our mailings and th th those will inform you of the free special events, which is the vast majority of them. So, um, you know, and, and you can then take a look uh, at the course offerings to see if you want to become a member. So um, I would encourage anybody that maybe isn't sure if they want to join Encore Learning to just uh, uh, email us and say, uh, please, please add me to your mailing list. Uh, I also wanted to mention two courses that are coming up uh, this semester that uh, are, are uh, current and interesting. One of them is on cryptocurrencies. So, you know, if you want to become a cryptocurrency millionaire and, and uh, trade in Bitcoins, you might want to take this course. Um, we also, there's also another one that has been given before, uh, Nazis versus Communists. It's taught by an interesting fellow who was a Holocaust survivor. He was 10 years old when he escaped uh, from the Roundup and he was a defense department and his course is fantastic about really the, the little known aspects of the Nazis versus the communists during the Second World War. So uh, again, there's a great interesting variety of courses. Going to the clubs, uh, we have 10 clubs. Uh, most of them are still functioning virtually. Uh, there's a breakfast club that meets and they chat and have breakfast. A bridge club, a cinema club, which you know you has to operate virtually. Uh, doesn't go to the theaters. Um, current issues discussion group, um, ethnic lunch club is suspended. Unfortunately, uh, they can't uh, go out as a group uh, to an interesting ethnic restaurant. The kayak club operated this uh, year uh, with proper social distancing on the Potomac. Uh, they don't go out in the cold weather. Uh, there's a mindfulness club. Uh, again, it's uh, it's gone virtual. Uh, Nonfiction book club and the travel club, and the travel club uh, does virtual offerings. Somebody talks about an interesting trip they took with pictures uh, now. So the clubs are very uh, important for the socialization aspect of what we do. And uh, we can we can talk a little bit later about, about the socialization and uh, from our survey, but um, um, anybody can join the clubs who's a member. And are there always ideas being offered for new specialty clubs? Yeah, there is. The newest club I didn't mention is because is it doesn't meet as a tech hobbyist club. 
And this is very interesting because it, it when it did operate, it was out at, uh, at Virginia Tech Think Lab in Falls Church. And they took uh, a group of, I think, 30 of, uh, of our members and had them, you know, taught them how to do various things with computers, uh, including building, building hardware and software applications. And they tried out uh, teaching methods on them that they will use with children. <laughs> Uh, and um, it was a great success. I think uh, our members enjoyed doing it, and uh, and Virginia Tech was very grateful to have this group to experiment on. So, yeah, we 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 do. Um, anybody wants to propose a club, um, but then the clubs are really run by the club coordinators. So you again, it's it's part of this community involvement I spoke of earlier. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. If somebody is interested in attending the Breakfast Club, for example. Do they get in touch with whoever is running the breakfast club activity? Yeah, our staff, our staff, you just contact Encore Learning and they, they get the coordinator of the breakfast club to get in touch with you and to get you get you to the meetings. It's very, it's very effortless. You just have to express an interest um, and you don't have to attend every meeting, you know. Okay, well, both of you have talked about uh, uh, the survey and I'm going to ask Laura if this has something to do with how Encore Learning has had to adjust uh, in uh, during the pandemic to less, lessen social isolation. What kind of survey and what's been happening? What have you seen in, say, the last 10 months? Well, we were um, really curious to hear how members were experiencing the virtual learning and what they thought about us offering virtual learning in the future. So we sent out a survey just a couple weeks ago um, and asked for our members' opinions about their experience. And what we found was um, many positive accolades about the virtual learning experience um, with a lot of good reasons for why um, doing the programming virtual was was positive for them and a successful experience. Um, and this reflects the fact that this past fall, we offered over 300 hours of online programming. Um, so it's, it was quite an, an array and reached a lot of people. So we heard from nearly 300 members, um, and they certainly reported more positive aspects of virtual learning than negative. And they indicated in general, um, they'd like the opportunity to certainly do both in-person or virtual uh, and at this point, we're assuming we're going to be offering primarily virtual in the fall of 2021. I wanted to share just a couple of quotes from the members we heard from the survey. Uh, a member stated, I realized that Encore Learning activities were essential to my well-being, challenging my mental acuity and helping to remain informed on a variety of topics. And another said, the classes helped me get through the time I'm spending alone at home. And that uh, certainly resonated with so many of the, the members. And, and a lot of our members do live alone. And this time they have on Zoom with other members is a significant amount of engagement that they have during the day. Um, we, have a, we had a class this past fall taught by um, Michael Stutz called uh, aging and the brain, and he talked about the importance of continued learning as as people age, and the benefit of engaging in cognitive activities. 
that help um, give neuroplasticity to the brain. Um, and that's that comes up because of um, obtaining new information and it keeps your brain active um, and provides positive brain health as well as slowing cognitive decline. Um, and so we do this by um, providing this new learning, new material, um, by engaging members in, in reading that they may do for the courses and the social interaction, even, even while virtual, um, they have a, a, a touch point to check in and be somewhere. Um, and also our courses being offered virtually are increasing members' digital technical competence. They may get frustrated at times, but they are learning something new and increasing their ability to connect online. I've had a lot of comments from members saying that because we taught them how to use Zoom, they've been able to connect with their family members on Zoom. And it would have been hard for them to do that without the resources we provided, the training we provided for them to connect virtually. So I feel really positive about how we've helped uh, folks during the social isolation. We've had 700 people take a class this past fall and uh, some of our events draw several hundred people. So we know we're reaching a, a great audience in the, in the area. Well, that's quite a, a, a testimonial and I congratulate you on that. And because you emphasize the involvement of people in terms of learning and helping them in terms of physical and mental skills, I was wondering what how what might be the role for the volunteers? You both have mentioned the the volunteers. Are you looking for uh, more volunteers, Tom? Maybe you can help us on this. In what areas? Give us a little bit of details on that. Sure, we're always looking for volunteers. Uh, I beat the bushes every time I I speak to the members about uh, please volunteer, because as I expressed earlier, our model depends heavily on volunteers, and and that's what allows us to keep our our prices are low. And um, people are sometimes hesitant. People in this age group are hesitant to volunteer. Sometimes they're a little worried about uh, about technology or something. And again, we we reassure them and we'll train you and, and you'll enjoy you'll enjoy the experience. Um, we uh, right now, for example, you know, our, our board rotates around and uh, we'll have an opening uh, this uh, this summer for a new treasurer. So if anybody wants to come be treasurer, please please contact us. Um, and the committees are all always looking for for uh, you know fresh members to kind of bring into the system. So it's a good way to socialize and a good way to contribute to us. And uh, I hope uh, people listening will not only join Encore Learning but uh, be brave enough to volunteer. And is there a time commitment, Tom? It's 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 not great. I mean, uh, you know, um, it's really it's really a couple of hours a week main, mainly. You know, um, my own time commitment as president is maybe three four hours a week of of stuff. Uh, our professional staff does all the heavy lifting. That's for sure. And there's a place on the website to apply. You just just you can go go to the website. Uh, you can email us uh, info at encorelearning.net uh, and say I would like to volunteer, um, or you can call us at seven zero three two two eight two one four four. You'll get a recording at this time because we're not manning the office, 
but we will get back to you quickly. I can assure you if you want to volunteer. Um, so please do so. All right. Volunteers are always welcome. So, Laura, one last time, how can listeners learn more about Encore Learning? Well, I just want to add on to what Tom said. We definitely are recruiting volunteers right now to help us plan the fall semester and looking for course ideas. So if you're interested in getting involved, you can help us plan or implement the programming or help us promote the programming. We'd be happy to have you join us. If you want to learn more, the best way is to check out our website. It, again, it's www.encorelearning.net or send us an email at info at encorelearning.net. Okay. Well, I want to thank Laura Polari welbus and Tom Adams with Encore Learning for joining me today. This is very informative, and especially now when we need so many uh, activities to, to keep us going in this pandemic. And by the way, you might also want to learn more about Aging Matters. And if you do, visit our website. It's agingmattersonline.com. And at the site, you can access all of the Aging Matters radio and TV show content that we've done over the past four years. And you could also find out about the Aging Matters podcasts, which are on Apple and Spotify. Lots of good information on the website. And in fact, you can even subscribe to the Aging Matters monthly email newsletter. And that way you will get updates about the new radio shows and the TV episodes, and you can still always go back and play programs from the previous month. Finally, Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, and you can learn more about that organization by logging on to inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you, as always, for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org. Thank you.